Welcome to the EAE Podcast, where we're bringing you today episode number 64 in our series. My name is Laura Rumbly, and I'm delighted you're listening in. The internationalization of post-secondary education in Europe touches all fields of study, and today we're diving into an area of professional development and learning that I personally knew virtually nothing about before meeting our two guests, and that area is circus arts education. As you'll hear in the following conversation, circus arts programs across Europe and beyond are engaged in a wide variety of activities designed to cultivate 21st century circus performers, creators, and professional staff who are technically proficient and ethically grounded. International engagement and exchange are intrinsic parts of this work. Our guides for this unique exploration of circus arts education today are Anna Bainchus, head of the Bachelor Program in Circus Arts at Codarts University for the Arts in Rotterdam, and Isabel Jolie, director of FedEC, the International Network for Professional Circus Education. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome one and all. Let's get this show started. It's really great to have this opportunity to speak with both of you. Thank you for chatting with me today. For those of our listeners who may be unfamiliar with the area of circus arts education, I'd love it if you could both give us a little bit of an indication about what they should know about this field of study in general and what defines success for institutions and organizations like yours in terms of serving students and advancing the circus education agenda. May I ask you to pick up on that question for us, please? Yes, sure. Um, Well, Codarts Circus Arts is a bachelor program. It's a four-year program, and we train students to become professional circus artists. And what we want them to have is a personal artistic identity. And you may not know what it is uh, to what a training day is in circus education. So I give you a broad, uh, a brief view in that. It's a very intensive program with a lot of uh, physical classes. They have their circus subjects and their circus specialization. So you you can be a juggler or an acrobat or a Chinese pole artist. There's many variations. Apart from that, they have supporting artistic uh, subjects like dance and music and theater, improvisation. They have their physical preparation every day. They have theory classes like anatomy, circus history, art orientation. What comes with circus is also safety and rigging, so they have classes in that. They have entrepreneurship to prepare them for the professional working field. They can also do an internship in a, in a circus company or a dance company, and they do production. So each year they have a group production with a director or a choreographer, and this is presented either in school or in theaters or festivals, and they present their own, own personal projects. Well, we are a bachelor program, but there are many schools to train circus artists, and we're part of a bigger network, and that's the FEDEC. Fabulous. So, Anna, thank you so much for that really lovely overview of what it is that an individual student might learn and experience in the course of their education, but also very fascinated with this idea of a broader network of institutions and organizations providing this sort of education. So, Isabel, if we might turn to you for that piece. 
So FedEx was uh, just started 25 years ago. This year we're celebrating our anniversary, especially we're going to celebrate it uh, in a few weeks in Montpellier. And it's growing and growing. And now we've got around 75 members in 25 countries. So Codart is one of those schools and we've got eight schools doing high degree education. And all the others are prep schools, meaning that they're preparing the students if they want to, or to go for an addition in one of those high schools. Uh, but some decide to stop after those three years of prep uh, years of studies. So there's a huge variety of circus schools across the world. And uh, the network's aim is really to help them in working together, in training opportunities, uh, for the teachers, but also launching activities for the students. So the idea is really to, to link all those members and make the circus education sector grow and go towards more professional courses. This is really a lovely introduction then to what it is we're talking about and its scope internationally, which of course our audience will find very uh, fascinating. Um, in preparation for this conversation with you, we did a little digging and discovered um, an initiative or a project called Culture Moves Europe, which over the course of three years, 2022 to 2025, will be funded by the European Union and specifically among its activities, provide mobility grants for artists and cultural professions. I was curious to know a little bit more about the international experiences that are a part of circus arts careers or can be, um, how you all might have had some experience with this personally and what you think a program like Culture Moves Europe can do for students in this particular area of study. Well, our school is uh, international by nature already. So most of the students and, and a lot of teachers come from abroad already. So they move countries uh, to study here. And in their studies, they also visit festivals and performances abroad. And some have internships with international companies. So this is what they're already doing. To have an official exchange within the, for example, in the Erasmus program is, is, is difficult. Because there's a limit of three months, and most of the students think it's it's too long to go for to leave the school for three months, leave their teacher, leave the the the, the course of the training. So what we do is we organize ourselves exchanges in for in and outgoing students for one or two weeks, and it is without grants. So students have to pay for themselves. Okay, very good. So there is a, a tradition of mobility and at the same time, something different than what we might be seeing across the broader Erasmus Plus community in, in terms of very short types of, of mobility experiences. Isabel, I wonder if you might be able to talk a little bit about this notion of international experience for students in this area. Yes, so for, for, for us, it's really uh, Erasmus Plus, really the program that we're always connecting to because we've got one foot in culture and artistic education, but one foot also in education. And Erasmus Plus is ideal for mobility. And we are funded as a network also. Uh, so that's, that's where we get our, our support, really. For us, it's really important to, to have a European project um, regarding mobility for, for teachers more than for students, because as was, as was uh, saying Anna, it's more tricky for students to leave their intensive training program, so it's not always adapted. Uh, but for teachers, it's really important because there's no circus teacher's degree 
or diploma. So the peer-to-peer -peer experience is just crucial. So we're making sure that they can visit each other and that they can learn from each other also. So ma mainly that's what we're focusing on. So mobility for teachers and staff. Wonderful. In addition to mobility, of course, international experience is also embedded in a lot of project work that institutions do. And it came to our attention that uh, FedEx will be running an international project this year in which Code Arts will also participate, aimed specifically at preventing different kinds of discrimination and gender-based uh, violence and other kinds of insecurities within the circus and street arts sector. I was wondering if you might be able to tell us a bit about this initiative and you know, what we might learn from it as you're, as you're developing it further. Yes, Laura. So we, we started thinking and being quite concerned about this issue of uh, well-being and uh, uh, abusive conducts uh, in, uh, in the circus sector, uh, not only in schools, but in the sector in general, uh, a few years ago. And we were looking to funding, really. How can we help those institutions to make their environments safer? Uh, for for everyone, and we found this uh, fantastic support from uh, the DG, the Director General of Justice in the EU, and we created this Speak Out project, which is a project that's just started in 23 in January, and will end in 24. Uh, but hopefully, we'll go beyond that because we really want to create a new way of working which looks better, as you were saying, be more inclusive, and uh, fight against abusive conducts of all sorts. It started in January with a, a first training session, uh, which was on gender issue, and it will continue uh, with three other training sessions. One will be on the nudity um, and the body. So we'll look into all the aspects, especially we know now that the students don't want to be touched by the teachers like they used to. They are putting more barriers. So we want to think about new ways of working together in circus. We also know that nudity is uh, really, uh, or, or, the, or the, the body is really uh, central to circus. We also want to battle in, against all the um, unconscious bias that someone may have. All those issues will be in a second training uh, session, which is going to take place in Paris. Um, then we'll have another training session in Austria on uh, auditions and selections. So we also want to make sure that when the students are going for auditions in school, uh, that the way that they are talked to and the way that the, the staff in schools are looking at those people or the uh, students uh, is as inclusive and fair as possible. And the last training is going to be in Spain, in Catalonia, and we'll look into communication because we know that once some, something is happening in a school, it's always difficult to discuss it, whether it's internally, I'll just discuss this problem with the staff, but also towards the external world. When there's, a, for example, an article in a newspaper, how do you uh, express and how do you talk to the press around this topic? So we've got those four training and we've got many other activities. We want to come up with a tool, a toolbox, of course, is going to be online and it will be a toolbox for the schools as a resource space, but it can be also for the victims or the bystanders uh, or for teachers. So that's also on its way and it's going to be accessible on our website for free, of course. And we will have a third uh, pillar in this uh, Speak Out project, which is going to be workshops, uh, workshop for schools, 
we know that some organizations don't have funding to have proper training session inside their own institution. So we've got the possibility to give them small amounts of money so they can create their own training in their own language with a local association specialized on an issue. So those are three pillars, but there's many other things and there's a lot of information on our website. No, it's really absolutely fascinating and so important. Those are just, it sounds like very crucial dimensions of conversations that need to be had around well-being in general, but also uniquely tailored to this particular uh, field of education, uh, which I find so unique and so fascinating. Anna, CodeArts is a part of this project. I wonder how you know these issues and the efforts of this project resonate with you from where you sit at your institution. Yeah, as, as Isabel said, it's, it's, it's very important that especially those structures who cannot afford to have uh, people in the school, professionals in school, that this project can provide uh, the tools for it and, and the finances. Because CodeArts is a bigger institution and we are very lucky because we have a, a wonderful uh, student life department it's with a very structured student support system. We, we, we call it the team around the artist. So there's all kinds of counselors and there's also independent counselors that are not in school. So students have always have the possibility to talk to people. And, and we are very open. Uh, I have talked with students and teachers, for example, about the physical contact. And I made a guideline about it. And I also discussed it with uh, people from other departments, from the dance and from the music, to have guidelines in that. And there were very open discussions. We also have guidelines around equality. So we already have some things and, and a code of conduct. So we all already have such things, in, in, uh, such things happening. Really great to hear those very specific examples and the ways that you're trying to address them at, at your institution. Well-being is clearly you know, a very important big issue of the day. Um, and I'd like to extend that conversation around big issues a little bit. Um, we know in talking with a lot of our colleagues that a lot of conversation in European higher education today is focused on concerns that extend beyond our, you know, just us, but to society at large and questions of impact. So really, can, how can higher education institutions and the students they graduate make a positive difference in the world? How can they address, and particularly in interdisciplinary ways, things like social inequality and injustice, climate change, democracy under threat, those types of things? I wonder if those kinds of concerns also resonate in some way with the circus arts education community. And if so, you know, how you see that playing out. Yeah, it does resonate, but it's on a smaller scale. So uh, our students do not join uh, big conventions, big movements. Uh, they address these issues. They address these issues in their personal work or, for example, in their uh, theoretical graduation project. So we had a student who was uh, moving into uh, how to build a sustainable performance environment in circus. So looking at touring, at performing, the, the reuse of material, the food that is served in theaters. So that was a very nice example. She, she also presented this on our research festival for a broader audience. That's uh, really yeah. super it, interesting, it, actually. It, it, it's, it's really small scale. Uh, we had discussions about uh, gender neutral uh, dressing rooms and toilets, for example. 
with the students and they have to decide because they have to feel safe about it. Excellent. Oh, so fascinating to hear about these, how these are playing out, you know, in, in your community. Isabel, how, how do these big issues, you know, appear from your perspective at FedEx? Yeah, I think for us, it's really as a network trying to reduce the impact uh, on the environment with reducing the planes and things like that, and also encouraging the members to reduce to, to reduce the all the all the all the plane and all the bad habits we used to have before the COVID. And now, of course, we're making more and more online meetings. And we also discovered the good aspect of having online meetings. For example, some members who could never travel because they are far, far away on, on other continents. Uh, now, suddenly, they get implicated in the network uh, and become active members. So that's very positive. I think, as Anna is saying, that the students are very aware about environments, so they're really the ones who are showing us the way. And then on another side, on another on another topic, another value about maybe solidarity. I think that like something like uh, in in it for Ukrainian uh, circus artists, uh, we did a, a launch. We we sent an email, and the idea was to find places for those who couldn't study anymore in Ukraine, and to find places in schools. And this works very well because the network is a, a very strong network regarding solidarity. So they, they found places where they could go and study. We haven't talked about it here, but I am, um, I think in my own head, I go easily to the history of circus arts. It seems to me that it must have a very interesting and long history as an area of artistic production. But I also like to think about the future and what are some of the, the future possibilities for this field? Could you articulate for us some of the key priorities or challenges ahead that you see for the students and the professionals working in this area? So yes, for us, for example, one of the key areas is uh, safety. Safety is in uh, the circus uh, schools. I mean, it's usually one rigger, we call them riggers, uh, working on his own in a school, and he's quite invisible. And the, the time that he becomes visible is when there's an accident. So we really want to support this community of riggers. And we are, we are in the middle of a huge project which is about creating a community of circus schools riggers. And the idea is that when they face uh, an issue, they can rely not only on, them, on themselves, but also can contact other, other riggers. So we've put to, in place, and that's also connecting to the mobility uh, questions that we were discussing earlier, uh, swapping experiences where basically riggers are visiting other riggers in their school and they are having peer-to-peer -peer, uh, discussions on specific topics. And as a result of those swapping experiences, they are producing small tutorial videos. We call them the Fed Talks, and they're going to be online also. So we cannot come up with uh, a charter because we are not beyond the law, even if there are not specific laws regarding uh, safety issues in the circus uh, sector. But as a, as a network, we want to give good practices and share those good practices amongst the community. So those FET talks are each time focusing on a good practice and are done by those rigors. So that's for, for me one of the... Of, uh, of the future, of the, the present and the future. Very compelling and exciting to think about that, for sure. Anna, what does your crystal ball or the future look like for you? 
this exchange is very important. This exchange of experience, knowledge, and practices is very important to, and to have sparing partners and to have easy access to sparing partners, which was not uh, the case before. So now it's much easier for the teachers and for readers to call each other and talk about things. It's no secret anymore. That's that's very nice. On, on an individual scale, in our school, we want to develop a preparatory program to have more Dutch students because we have a lot of international students, but there's not a preparatory program in the Netherlands yet. So this is one of our uh, individual uh, goals. And another one is that we want to create more flexibility for the students to develop their own path. And where they can involve other uh, disciplines, for example, visual arts, other knowledge, for example, coming from university, but that they can make their own choices. And now the, the program is very tight and we would want to open that up. It's a difficult path, but uh, we're on progress. Well, these are all very interesting things for us to think about. And I have to say, I have learned so much in this conversation with you. It's wonderful to be exposed to a whole new area of education that's going on in our midst and to hear about its, um, its sophistication and its aspirations for the future. Really, really informative. Anna and Isabel, thank you for taking time to speak with us today. Thank you. Thank you very much, Laura. Thank you, Anna. That was Isabel Jolie, Director of FedEx, the International Network for Professional Circus Education, and Anna Bainchus, Head of the Bachelor Program in Circus Arts at Codarts University for the Arts in Rotterdam. For more information about some of the details and initiatives we've discussed in our conversation with Isabel and Anna, I invite you to take a look at our session notes for this episode. Circus experiences are, of course, all about excitement and amazement at the talents displayed, and it's easy to feel those same kinds of emotions when we think about the people in our field excelling at what they do. The EAE Awards recognize those outstanding talents, and it's important for you to know that the EAE Awards nomination period is now open. 2023 is an especially important year for the EAE Awards program because we're celebrating 20 years of this initiative to recognize the extraordinary individuals and institutions in our sector. The nomination period ends on April 21st, so time is short. Please visit our website at www.eae.org this week to learn more about the awards categories and to submit your nominations. Your involvement is really what makes these awards so meaningful and important. Also fast approaching is the final EAIE Online Academy course for the spring, which runs on April 24th and April 26th. If you're interested in developing skills related to the evaluation and recognition of foreign credentials, this may be the training for you. Please visit the EAE website to register today. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the EAE podcast. We're back in two weeks with the next installment. Until then, all good wishes to you from the EAE.